0: Well, the apple doesn't fall from the tree in case you didn't recognize that child actor. That's Micah Cummins, uh, Lance's son, along with Ellie, Lance and Jenny's daughter. And by the way, Lance and Jenny are on vacation today, taking some well-learned vacation. We miss them, but Ben did an awesome job today, right? They were just awesome. We're in a series right now called GPS. And of course, you know what a GPS system is. It's a system that helps you find your destination. And to me, that's really important because of all the feelings I don't like, right up there at the top of things I don't like, I don't like the feeling of being lost. Um, I don't know what, what makes you feel, you know, queasy, but I just hate feeling lost. You're, you're traveling along your destination you you know you feel have the sense that you're going the right way and and the signs indicate that you're getting closer and closer to your destination and then maybe you make a wrong turn or you you get on the wrong road And the next thing you know you don't see any familiar things you don't see any signs that tell you that the city you're trying to get to is getting closer and closer and nothing looks familiar and then you're trying to you know make a turn here and make a turn there and the next thing you know you're just hopelessly lost i really hate that feeling it just absolutely stinks the reason why we hate that feeling is because we, destinations to us are so important. Just think about for a moment. Just think about the destinations that you key into your GPS system, um, the location of your next business appointment, or maybe a vacation hotel or a Chinese restaurant, or if Mary Alice is in here, Starbucks. Um, w- w- think about the, the places that you key in. The, the destinations are important to you. Uh, who knows, that business appointment that you might be going to might pay your next month's mortgage payment. Or maybe it allows you to be with friends or family and, and enjoy life. Maybe, maybe your destinations are so important they help you fulfill your destiny. So, you know, smart people get to right destinations. And that's why destinations are so important to us. If you make a wrong turn and wind up at the wrong place, things turn ugly because wrong destinations mean missed opportunities, um, just a feeling of anguish and that, what do I do now feeling? So destinations are so important. There's a trail of logic that I want to talk about all morning long and it goes something like this. Destinations are the result of pathways or paths and paths are the result of guidance. Think about that for a moment. Destinations are the result of paths, and paths are the results of guidance. That's why throughout the years, mankind has looked for guidance from some source. Uh, That's why we have the religions of the world, the philosophies of the world. Even coming down to style, we're looking for guidance as to how we should dress our bodies. I mean, guidance is important, and we know it's important, and we look for it. Destinations are the result of paths, and paths are the result of God. And so somebody can say, well, Mark, everybody knows that, but I'm not too sure that that's really the case because every once in a while I listen to people today that are on wrong pathways, and they're expecting to get to good destinations. Now, that just doesn't work. But a lot of people today think that. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I ran into a guy the other day that I know, and he says he's a Christ follower, and, and so I'm going to take him at his word. But this particular guy happened to know he, his finances are just in ruin. He, he, he just terrible terrible, uh, ways of handling money. He spends wildly. He goes into credit card debt. I mean, he's got all kinds of credit cards. He's got credit card debt. In fact, while I was talking to him, he was talking to me about filing for bankruptcy because he just couldn't pay his credit card payments. But you know what he was doing when I was talking to him, he was buying a lottery ticket. That's right. And I'm telling you, this is what the man told me. He said, I'm gonna, I am going to—I don't know what the big jackpot is or whatever they call that, you know. He said, I'm going to hit that and I'm going to have millions of dollars. And then he said, I'm going to do good things for all kinds of people. He was talking about helping missionaries around the world and taking care of people that he loved. He said, I'm going to win the jackpot and I'm going to win the lotto and then I'm going to just do all kinds of good things. And here's, here's what he failed to understand. He failed to understand that when it came to finances, he was on a bad path. It, bad paths don't lead to good destinations. You know, here's a guy that wants to find a soulmate. He wants to find a woman who will, who will love him and be there for him. And, you know, he wants to marry this awesome woman. So what does he do? He cruises the bars. You know, bad pathways lead to bad destinations. So that's what we need to understand today. You know, the, the whole thing I want to talk to you about is this. I hate being lost in life, but I hate something, as far as like traveling, but I hate something more than that. I hate being lost when it comes to my, my spiritual life. You know, I hate being in the wrong destination. Destinations are so important. Some of you have discovered that, and I listened to you talk, and you talk to me about, you know, there was a time when you weren't on a good path and you were in bad destinations and you were hanging with the wrong crowd and bad things were happening, and and, you know, you just had a sense that God was talking to you behind, maybe not audibly or anything, but you had a sense that God was at work in your life and you begin to like start moving in a different direction and getting on a good path. For some of you, that path started when you turned off 21st street and came up the lane to new spring church. And you said to me, Mark, that's when my life started over again. And don't be surprised because God makes you some promises. If you will listen to him in Psalm 32, verse eight, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for life. That is a huge promise. Many of us have gotten to good destinations, but we took a very circuitous route. We went here, we went there, we went way out of the way. God said if we will listen to him, he will guide us on the best path. Remember, it's guidance, paths, destinations. God said, I will guide you on the best path. He said, I will advise you and watch over you. Then this admonition in verse 9. Do not be like a senseless horse or a mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. For those of you who've ever you know, used a bit, you understand exactly what the what the point is. God is saying, listen, I will guide you. I will, I will, I will give you advice on how to live your life. God said, don't be like the horse, or the mule, who has to have pressure exerted on him to help him do the strategic things. I I gotta tell you that throughout some of my life, I've been like a mule. You know, I wanted to go my own way. And it was like, there were just things in my life that were like bits in a mule's mouth that said, nope, if you go that way, you're gonna hurt. And so I actually had pressure exerted on me to get me to do the right thing. In Isaiah 30 verse 21, here's an awesome promise from God. God says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Hey, isn't that cool? A lot of us have GPS systems. Whether you have, you know, the manufacturer installed high dollar kind, or if you're like me, you have the Walmart kind. We know what it's like to hear that voice that says in, in you know, quarter mile, turn right. And, and we love he- hearing that, especially if we're in a place that we don't know very well and we're trying to find our way around. It's good to hear that voice. That's what God is promising that he will do for us. Obviously, God's not talking about an audible voice, but he's talking about his presence in our lives that helps us know which direction to take. And, and this is about next week. Next weekend, I'm gonna talk to us all about how to know when we're really listening to God. It's a really, really big thing. Throughout the years of pastoring, the number one question I've been asked is how do I know if I'm really hearing from God? How do I know how to listen to God? I'll be talking about that next weekend. But God is promising to do that. He's telling us that his presence will be there, showing us which direction to go. And some of you are experiencing that. You know, there was a time when you were in bad paths bad destinations, you're in pain, but now you've begun to do what God wants you to do, and you're starting to taste the fruit of being on the right path and even some good destinations, and you're telling me about it. Guys, I would never want to rain on anybody's parade, especially somebody who's really enjoying following God for the first time, but I got to tell you something that every God follower who's followed God for a long time knows. The challenge is not getting on the right track it's stay on the right track because just as you have a God who loves you and God is going to be there he's going to say turn left, turn right don't be like the mule that has to have pressure exerted on him so he does a strategic thing God is saying I'm going to be there but the problem is there are other voices there's other guidance and if we're not careful we'll get us on other paths that will lead us to destinations that we won't like being there I want to talk to you about that And since we're all human, and it's probably going to happen to all of us today, I want to take us back to the Bible and show us a story in the Bible of a great guy who heard the wrong voice, got on the wrong path, wound up in a destination where he didn't want to be, and God helped him get back. So today, we're going to do an analysis on on how this happened in his life so that we will understand if we're on the wrong track, how we got there, how to get back on the right track. The guy's name is Elijah. He is one of my favorite people in the Bible when I get to heaven, I want to see Jesus. I want to see my family. And right after that, I want to see Joseph from the old Testament. And I want to see this boy, Elijah, because if there is anybody in the Bible or there's anyone in the Bible that I have a whole lot in common with it's this guy, Elijah, man, he and I are like this. Elijah's a prophet. His job is to speak to people. God's message. The only thing about Elijah is Elijah's kind of mercurial. There are no pastels in his personality, just bright colors. And when he's high, nobody's higher. When he's low, nobody's lower. He is dramatic. He's full of energy. He's just like nonstop action. Elijah has two speeds, supersonic and off. Now, he's, he's having to be God's prophet at a really cruddy time. Israel is worse, worshiping idols. Now, I know for those of us who live in the Western world in the 21st century, it kind of creeps us to imagine why would anybody bow down to a little idol made of gold or or silver? And we think, well, those people back then must have been really stupid, must have really been superstitious to bow down and worship those idols. It's a lot more practical than it sounds. The people understood that those things were made, those idols were made out of metal, but it was what they represented. And more than that, it was what they gave people permission to do that caused them to worship idols. There was the sense of prosperity, and there were idol gods of prosperity. There were idol gods. A lot of idol gods had to do with sexuality, you know, this idea that if they worship this god. In fact, many of these so-called worship services of idols were nothing more than orgies, so you can sort of understand the human compulsion that would draw people to worship idols. And during Elijah's time, Israel, God's nation, was just saturated with idol worship. It all had to do with the king. He was a rotten guy. His name was Ahab. He was wicked. He was, he was just so bad. God said he was the worst that ever was on the throne. But if that wasn't bad enough, Ahab married a woman named Jezebel. And Jezebel was just, I mean, she was a fiend. She was a pervert. And, and this is kind of strange. I don't know exactly how this happened. I guess when you have power, you can do anything you want to. But Jezebel was not only a very perverted, wicked woman, she also controlled all the worship pretty much in Israel. She had 850 preachers so to speak on her payroll who communicated her message of of sexual promiscuity and they were just messing israel up but you know of course israel had a history as being god's chosen nation so they had a history with jehovah so if you'd run into the average person of israel during elijah's reign you would have heard something like this well i worship jehovah but i kind of hang out over here with jezebel and the Baal crowd too Just like we might have a few people at New Spring like that. On Saturday or Sunday, you know, you're sort of with us and doing the God thing and and your Bible. But then part of the week, you're doing stuff that has nothing to do with God and it's a million miles away. The very opposite. It doesn't make any sense, does it? I mean Elijah was saying to them to himself, you know, I, I don't understand this. If if people are going to worship Jehovah, they should worship Jehovah. If they're going to worship Baal, they should worship Baal. So Elijah went before the people and he said, Hey, pick one. Pick one. You know, if Jehovah's God, it doesn't make any sense to worship Baal. If Baal is God and you can sleep with anybody you want to sleep with as many times in the week as you want to, then there's no sense in worshiping Jehovah. Let's figure it out. So Elijah made an appointment with Jezebel's 850 preachers, and he said, hey, let's do a deal here. Let's go up on top of Mount Carmel, and let's, let's, let's have a contest. We'll put an altar up there on top of the mountain. We'll have everybody gather around. You guys can go first, and here's the deal. We'll pray that fire comes from heaven and sets the sacrifice on fire. If your boy does it, then Baal is God. If Jehovah does it, then Jehovah's God. And the bell, bell guy said, well, there's 850 of us and one of you. Sounds like good odds they took his deal. So up on Mount Carmel they go. All the people gathered around. Very dramatic moment. So Elijah says to the, uh, the bell guys, you guys lead off. So they built the, sac- they built the altar. They put a, bull, a dead bull on top of that sacrifice. And they start praying. Now, I can imagine, you know, this, they started early in the morning. Can you imagine watching something that, you know, never going to go anywhere. But they start praying. They said, oh, bell, bring fire. Oh, bell, bring fire. No, and, and Elijah, I should tell you about him, he kind of was naughty, okay? He, he had a bad habit. He, he could taunt, you know, 15 yards in NFL for taunting. And so he was kind of watching this take place, and when, when they weren't getting any action from their, from their God, Elijah started taunting them. He said, um, you think your boy's asleep? You think maybe he can't hear you? You guys need to cry louder. You're not putting enough into it. And that got them all ginned up. And I mean, they started yelling real loud. And Elijah said, I don't think you're serious. I think if you really were more serious about this, you might get some action. So that got them even more crazy. They started cutting themselves. In the hopes that Bell would see their sincerity and their blood and do something, and nothing happened. So I just kept it going, he said, "Well, I don't know." He said, "I think maybe your God got on eBay and got a cruise deal or something, and I think he's just not even in town. I think that's your problem." And he just kept it going, "I hope God kept that on video because I' want to watch this so bad." Finally, at the end, you know, hours of praying and nothing happening, Elijah rebuilt the altar and put a sacrifice on there. And now if I'm I'm telling you, this guy had a flair for the dramatic. If I'm praying that spontaneous combustion takes place, I'm not pouring any water on what I want to catch fire. But Elijah called for 12 barrels of water. He is making this thing as impossible. He doesn't want anybody to say that somebody had a match hidden in their robe and it was some sort of chicanery. Elijah pours 12 barrels of water on the sacrifice, prays a prayer that in English is 59 words long. And when he prayed, the Bible says the fire came from heaven, burned up the sacrifice, and the people go bananas. They are yelling, Jehovah, he is God. And Elijah is saying, game, set, match, we got this thing. Just in case, and I don't know how you feel about this, just what the Bible says. Elijah wanted to make sure there weren't any leftovers of Baal worship. He had all 850 of Jezebel's preachers quacked. That's right. So Elijah goes home that day and he's thinking, okay, man, Jehovah's God, we're gonna have a revival in the country. But by this time, Ahab has told Jezebel, his wife, what had happened. Her 850 you know, on the payroll preacher boys are all dead. And so Jezebel sends Elijah an email, and she says, may the gods do to me what you did to my preachers if you're not among them within 24 hours. Now, you would think at this moment, I mean, what's this guy, what Elijah, going to do? I mean, he's, he's been on the mountain. He's asked God for a miracle. And he's seen God take care of things. You would think Elijah's going to say, well, I'm not going to worry about one person, but he does the most inexplicable thing. He just drops everything and runs. No path, no guidance, no direction, no organization, just totally erratic. He just drops everything and runs for his life. He cuts across fields. He's just running, running. And and he runs faster and faster, and his chest is just heaving. But he goes miles and miles. And finally, he gets to the place where he cannot run one more step. And by this point, he's in the wilderness, and he falls into the mouth of a cave and collapses. I have a little icon on my GPS system that if I get into an area that it doesn't recognize, my little icon shows up in the middle of nowhere. There's no streets or anything. And it just says sweetly to me, I keep waiting for my GPS system to tell me, you're just too stupid to have a GPS system. But, you know, sweetly that voice says, at the next intersection, turn around. At the next intersection, turn around. It's telling me I don't recognize where you are. And Elijah's in a place that, you know, God did not send him there. Elijah did not want to go there. He is off the path. And it's so interesting that while he's there in the cave with his chest heaving, trying to catch his breath, desperate that God comes along. And I want you to hear what God says to Elijah. 1 Kings 19 verse 9. Elijah came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here? I don't know how the inflection was. I wasn't there. Did God say, what are you doing here? Or, or did he say, what are you doing here? <laughs> or did God say, what are you doing here? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, God didn't even matter anything. God doesn't say, well, what's the matter with you, boy? I mean, I just answered, just sent fire down from heaven and, and burned up the sacrifice and your you're running like a scared chicken from, from one person? God doesn't say that. He just says, what are you doing here? His identification didn't match his location. How many of us would God ask that question to today? I'm talking to somebody. When, when, you, started, when you started this year in high school, you just, you just came from, like, camp, and, and, and you said, man, I'm going to go to my school this year, to my high school, and I'm going to make a difference. I, everybody that's around me, all my friends are going to know that I'm all about Jesus, and I'm going to talk to people, and I'm going to help them, and I, I, I'm going to just, like, walk with God all throughout my high school year, and yet, here it is. It's May, and there's stuff going on in your life, and if God talked to you, he'd say, what are you doing here? For some of you, you said, my life is going to be great this year. I'm going to follow God and I'm going to hang with the right people. And yet, just recently, you woke up in a bed and you thought, what am I doing here? And if God were to talk to you, he would say, what are you doing here? What are you doing in bed with this person? God might be talking to a man here today and you said, I'm gonna be a godly man. I'm gonna love my wife and I'm gonna focus on her and I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna be a great husband this year and yet God might find you at your computer terminal looking at stuff and God would say, what are you doing here? For some of you, you know, there was a time when you just like it's so engaged in what God was doing in the world. And you're part of New Spring Church and you're volunteering and doing stuff. But along the way you just kind of got, well, maybe it won't matter and I'm going to step back a little bit or maybe you got, you know, crossways with somebody that was a God follower and now God says to you, well, "What are you what are you doing here? Your identification doesn't match your location." Could I tell you honestly, I mean, just nobody here but us and the television cameras. Could I just tell you honestly, I've been there. I mean, isn't that a strange feeling? I mean, and you know, it's not like God says it where all the neighbors can hear it. It's just sort of a spiritual thing. I mean, you just like cringe and and, and you like feel God's presence saying, what are you doing here? This is not you. This is not what, you know, because I I think about when God found Elijah in the cave, I mean, God could have said, did I send you here? No. Did you want to come here? No. Is this place furnished for you? No. Do you see any long-term future in this cave for you? No. Then what are you doing here? How many of us are in situations, we know there's no future in it. We're dating somebody and we know in our gut there's no future here. And yet we're still in that relationship. God is saying, Off track. Destinations are everything. Destinations are the result of pathways. Pathways are the result of guidance. Let's look at here's the thing. This is so very important. When we look at the story of Elijah, we see the three very important things that everybody who's off path needs to understand. And if we if we deal with this real quickly, it can keep us from getting further off path. Here's the first thing Elijah was off path because he listened to the wrong source. You and I are going to hear many voices in our world. Some of those voices are going to be very loud. They're going to be pressure-filled voices, fear-filled voices. And and Elijah started listening to a voice that he had no business listening to. Let's let's, let's back up for a moment. Who was Elijah? He was a prophet. Who did he speak to people for? For God. Where did he get his message? From God. But let me ask you, why is he running? On, On whose voice, on whose words is Elijah running erratically from God? Jezebel's. This is what's interesting to me. I don't. Know, maybe, maybe this is not all that interesting, but here's what gets me. Elijah was a prophet. He was back in the back in his day. The, they didn't have the Bible, so God used prophets to tell the future. What's interesting is Jezebel told Elijah the future. Jezebel was not a prophet. She wasn't checked out on the equipment. Why is he running? You know, so many of us listen to voices that aren't legitimate voices. I talk to people sometimes and say, well, my friends told me I should do this and I'm thinking it doesn't make any sense. Well, I want my friends to think I, I really care about them so I listen to my friends. My, my, you know, my mother-in-law tells me I should do this. The guys at work tell me I should do this. The boys I hang with tell me I should do this. Elijah listened to the wrong voice. Second thing that's really clear in this story in Elijah, what happens when we listen to the wrong guidance? What we start moving in ways in which there's no organization, there's no path. Um, I get lost sometimes, and I hate it. I hate the feeling of getting lost. What happens when I get lost is I try to like figure it out without a map or without direction. Maybe I should turn here. This feels right. No, maybe I should turn here. And isn't it strange how that one bad turn leads to another bad turn and we get further and further away from our destination? In fact, one of the worst things that can happen to an army. Study world history. Study the history of great armies. And here's what you will discover. That often battles are lost because armies leave their strategic game plan. And almost every time a battle is lost, you will read about an army that flees erratically. They don't have any... They don't have any strategic withdrawal or they've, they've lost their path. They've lost their way. I'm talking to some people here today. You know, there was a time when you were following God, and if somebody would asked you, why are you doing what you're doing, you could have said, this is why. God says this in his word. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. But today, if somebody asked you why you're doing what you're doing, you wouldn't know. It's just Reacting. And that's what happened to Elijah. I mean, he just wound up in a cave. The cave was not his destination. This is not where God wanted him to go. He just wound up there because he was making it up as he went along. Number three, every, every wife who's been married for a while understands this one. Every, every woman who's in a significant relationship with a man probably understands this one. Ladies, let me ask you a question. When your guy gets lost, does he usually admit it? I, I'm just, just nobody here but you and me. I gotta tell you, I have a real bad habit of not admitting it when I'm lost. You know, you know I can be with Mary Allison, and I can be lost and I'm just acting like I know exactly where I'm going, you know, and then when we pass the same store six times, you know, she'll say, are we lost? No, 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 no. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. But here's what I really hate to admit. When there's no getting out of it and I'm obviously lost, how do I react? Am I real humble at that moment? You would think if a guy's lost and he finally has to admit that he's lost, he would just finally hang his head and say, You know what? I haven't known where we were for 30 miles. I am really sorry. I took a wrong turn. I got off the path. I was driving erratically. Number two, I was driving here, driving there, going on what feels right. And I'm really sorry. I hate to admit it. I'm lost. But I got to tell you what I do sometimes. I find a way to say it's not my fault. And that's not easy. Because after you're lost and everybody knows you're lost, it's not easy to find somebody else to blame. So I have to like think about creative things to say to explain why I'm lost. And I'll say things like, you know what? The guys who laid out this city, they must have been high when they laid this city out. <laughs> or the signage in this place is wretched. Well, God comes to Elijah and he says, what are you doing here? Well, we know he listened to the wrong voice and he was erratic. And he was just making it up as he went. But now, now he's going to have to admit he's lost. Listen to what he says. Elijah said, I, this is from the message, First 1 Kings 19.10. I've been working my heart out for the God of the angel army, said Elijah. The people of Israel have abandoned your covenant, destroyed the places of worship, murdered your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. Now, this is Elijah's cue to say, God, I don't know what's the matter with me. i got to listen to Jezebel. It was crazy. Can you believe I'm here in the cave? God, I'm so Sorry. But instead of doing that, what he does is he blames God. I don't know if he caught that, but he said, God, it's really your fault. I've been working my heart out for you. And frankly, you don't finish anything. And he knew, I mean, he knew to get off that trail pretty fast because being mad at God is a short-lived thing, you know? I mean, it's not smart to get mad at your only help. And Elijah knows that. So very quickly, he retracts that finger and he starts pointing out. And he said, it's the people and they won't listen to anybody. And he gets the place. Did you hear the language? He said, I'm the only one left. Elijah, I still don't hear anything about you being in the wrong place. I still don't hear anything about you being lost. I mean, when God asks him, what are you doing here? Elijah's saying, everybody else is wrong and I'm right. (laughs) He's lost, but he's saying everybody else is lost and I'm in the right place. I got friends that I love very much right now. Doing wrong things. Everybody knows they're wrong. And yet, if you listen to them talk, I'm right, everybody else is wrong. I'm right, my wife's wrong, my kids are wrong, my husband's wrong, my friends are wrong, teachers are wrong, law enforcement officers are wrong. I'm right, everybody else is wrong. If you're off off the track today, you can play the blame game if you want. I've done that. There are times when people, like, get off the wrong path. And they say, well, you know, somebody I looked up to let me down. So I have a right to be here in the cave. Or I asked God for something and God didn't give it to me. Or, I, you know, I, somebody that should have been there for me wasn't there for me, so I have a right to be in the cave. Now, listen, let me just, let me just tell you something. You can use up your life in the cave if you want to. You can sit there in the cave and blame everybody in the world if you want to for being off track. But where will it get you? When it's all said and done, you'll be in the cave. You, didn't go, you can go to the psychiatrist and the psychiatrist, and it's not a bad thing, it's okay. But you can go to the psychiatrist and the psychiatrist can help you draw up a list of everybody you should blame. But you'll still be in the cave. God doesn't want to leave his boy in the cave. So Elijah's boat is back toward God. He's saying, God, it's your fault and it's people's fault and I'm right and everybody else is wrong. So if you will, let's just take our Bibles and see what happens next because this is awesome. In verse 11 of 1 Kings 19, God says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. That's like saying, let's deal with this right now. Let's fix it. Hey, I can be talking to somebody here today and you're off track and you're even in church, but you're off track. You know what God is saying to you right now? He's not throwing you away He's saying, hey, let's fix this. Let's get you back on track. Let's get you back where you belong. God is saying to Elijah, come on out here. You you like mountaintops. Let's come out here on the mountaintop. Let's fix this thing. Let's get it straightened out. Let's read this because this is so cool. As Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. Hey, hey guys, I've been preaching since I was 16, pastoring since I was 20. I've probably talked on this text 100 times plus i used to read that and i'd think such a wind that the rocks are torn loose i'm not sure that's possible but that was before i moved to kansas <laughs> but the lord i mean because elijah sees that he said like, oh god is showing up man look at that wind but the lord the bible says was not in the wind after that the bible says there was an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a the sound of a gentle whisper. As I said a moment ago, I've been, I've been preaching since I was 16. I've, I've talked from this text hundreds of times probably because I love it. I, I've listened to other ministers talk about it. I've read what, what writers have written about it. And for, it's never really made sense to me. And it just, whenever I read the Bible, it doesn't really make sense to me. It just gets to me. And I've heard guys explain this. And finally this week as I was preparing for this message, it all fell into place. What happens is Elijah's in a cave. God says, what are you doing here? Elijah says, it's not my fault. I'm right. Everybody else is wrong. God says, come on, on top of the mountain. We're going to fix this thing. And when he's on top of the mountain, what does Elijah see? He sees a rock, that tear, a wind that tears the rocks loose. The earth quakes and there's fire. And God's not in any of that. And then there's this general whisper. Guys, here's what this is all about. God was saying to Elijah, you can choose how you're going to live your life. You're my boy, you're my prophet. But from this point on, you can choose how you're going to live your life. Remember, destinations are the result of pathways, and pathways are the result of guidance. God is coming down to the heart of things, the guidance thing with Elijah. He is saying, Listen, watch this, this is huge. Mark, you listen. I struggle with this. God was saying, Elijah, you can either order your life based on the wind that blows you around, what shakes you up, and what turns up the heat on you, or you can listen to me. How many of us live in the most erratic, inexplicable patterns Because what is guiding us, listen, what is guiding us is what intimidates us. It's the wind that blows us around. It's the things that shake us up. And it's the fire that turns up the heat on us. And we react to that stuff. And we wind up in the caves of life. And God is saying, what are you doing here? When all the time it's that whisper. It's just the presence of God that God is saying, I want you to listen to. That's what we're going to talk about next week. God has one final instruction for Elijah, and I'll close with it because it's not all that comfortable. Because if, you, if you're here today and you're on, off track and you want to get back on track, you know, we've grown up in, a, in, in listening to a lot of good teaching that says that God loves you and God will forgive you for anything. So when we're off track, what we often want to do is we want to pray a prayer and say, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. Get me back on track. And that's good. That's where it starts. But I want you to listen to what God told Elijah. This is really, really, really important if you're off track and you want to get back on. 1 Kings 19 15. Then the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came. In the words of those eminent philosophers, the Beatles, get back to where you once belong. What happens when we run from God and we get in those erratic patterns? We stop doing right things. We pick up bad habits. We mess up relationships. We screw up so much stuff. God is saying to Elijah, backtrack. Go back the same way you came. Lay down those bad habits that you picked up. Start picking up those those right habits that you used to have start reading your bible again start praying again if you got a broken relationship that you broke while you were running away and you're mad and blaming everybody else you go back and fix that relationship and you know go back the same way you came get back on the path and i'm happy to tell you that elijah did that and his life was awesome my prayer today is that god will take some part of this feeble flailing messes that I brought today and talk to your heart and your life because every one of us is going to struggle. Once you get on the right path, staying on the right path is hard. I can testify to that. God wants you back. You just got to pick who you're going to listen to. Destinations are the result of paths. Paths are the result of guidance. May God help us. Would you pray with me right now? Lord, you know every one of us. In all three services today, God, you know us. You know our strengths and weaknesses. You know which of us is on path and which of us is off. Lord, if we're off today, help us to get back. And, Lord, for those of us who are on the path, help us to stay on the path and not get lured off, not get intimidated off. In Jesus' name, amen. Still praying with me. Guys, you remember that promise that God gave us at the beginning where he said, that he would be there and guide us in the best pathway. That only begins when you have a relationship with God. How do you have a relationship with God? Well, the good news is it's easy because God wants to have a relationship with you. What's hard is trying to have a relationship with somebody that doesn't care about you. Doesn't want to have a relationship with you. But God is waiting on you. In fact, in Revelation, Jesus said, I'm standing at the door and knocking. And he said, if anybody will open the door, I'll come in. God wants to give you several things. He wants to give you a relationship with him. He wants to forgive you of all your sins. He wants to give you eternal life in heaven with him. It's all a gift. Scripture tells us that Jesus paid for it when he died on the cross. So that all you have to do is ask. Now I want to give you a chance to ask. You don't have to pray my words if you don't want to. You can pray your words if you wish. But if you don't know what to pray, let me pray a prayer with you. And what's important is that you mean it from your heart. So would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, I know I've sinned against you, but I believe you died for my sins. Forgive me. Save me. Be my king and my guide. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you pray with me this morning. Do both of us a favor. You got a, a little worship folder when you came in, GPS thing. It's got a detachable panel. If you just prayed with me, would you put your name and address on there and check the box that says that you prayed with me? The reason for that is I have a packet that I want to give you. There's some DVDs some great information to help you understand what you just did and what to do next in your relationship with Jesus. It won't cost you a penny. It's absolutely free. And if you'd like for me to mail it to you, just put your name and address on there. Check the box. You can drop it in the offering plate or in the boxes by the back or at the bottom of the staircase. And I'll send it to you this week. If you're like me, you don't like to wait, you can just bring it straight through the middle where I'm pointing back there, either to guest services or New Spring Store. Give them your card. They'll let you take this home with you today. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward now to receive the morning offering. Envelopes in the backs of the pews in front of you. And uh, while they're coming, could I just say one more time, next weekend we're going to talk about how to know when you're really hearing from God, how to listen to God. That'll be in the message next week.